Carolina would set up these Zoom calls for all us to be like work on our stuff together, like respond to emails, make sure everything was going well. And um, I mean, I don't know about everyone else, but um, I like didn't do a lot of homework that week. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm your host, Richard Lee, and welcome to the Ranger Outpost, where I'm going to take you to our friendly outpost, where we go deep into people's unique lives that really inspire me. And on the show today, we will explore how the Danny Hacks team organized their first virtual hackathon all from the comforts of their bedroom. The four guests on the podcast are the team members, Carolina, Tony, Anna, and Ethan, that brought the whole thing together. We are going to learn about how they adopted new strategies to pivot towards a virtual platform, their collective experiences in the city of Rochester, and the many stories around planning and hosting a virtual hackathon, all the while juggling the many responsibilities of a university student. Hello, everyone. I'm Carolina. Hi, I'm Anna. Um, I'm a senior at University of Rochester and co-head of logistics at Dandy Hacks. My name is Ethan. I'm a second year at University of Rochester, and I am also co-head of the logistics team with Anna. Hi, I'm Tony. I'm also a sophomore at the University of Rochester, and I am the head of Hacker Experience. Oh, yeah. So I am the director of Dandy Hacks 2020, and... I am um, actually, I think this is like my senior year. Yeah, this is my senior year. I think Dandy Hacks is the most involved club that I've been at. You know, Dandy Hacks is our annual 36 hour hackathon at the University of Rochester. It's a place where people could program, just like create projects that they're interested in. Um, ideally, not like school projects, um, and a place for them to learn and um, grow. Most of us have been involved with Dandy Hacks for at least the past year. I know Carolina and I knew each other for the past three years, like since freshman year. And then Ethan joined and Tony joined. Carolina and I are kind of the, the oldest ones of Dandy Hacks. And we mm. adopted more who are also passionate about helping make it happen. Honestly, in my like first year, I just like randomly went to the hackathon because uh, mm. I had no idea what was happening. I was like, eh, let's go give it a try. And then I remember there is when uh, Carolina worked during the closing ceremony was like, hey y'all, we're gonna be recruiting for next year. And I was like, hmm, this sounds interesting. I'll give it a try. Mm. And that's like just snowballed into where we are here. I had a similar experience, yeah. So as a freshman, I actually volunteered at the hackathon. I was like, oh, this is a cool way to like meet new people who are also in CS or like doing fun projects. So I helped out at the event and um, and then I also heard the announcement like, hey, we're looking for people who want to help organize this next year. And then I joined. I was part of the team and I really enjoyed it. And I've just uh, stayed on from there. Yeah, I, I think I had a very similar experience as Anna. Basically, I was just there helping out a little bit informally mm-hmm. and, and then joined afterwards. That's awesome. So it seems like this is like it has been like a rite of passage a lot of these members here um you either stumbled into it you might have been recruited or you actively seeked it so like everyone came here with like different intentions and different motives and different places of life so that, i think that's really fascinating to hear so tell us a little about like the city of rochester i think a lot of people have heard of the city uh but yeah give us a little like rundown like what's it famous for like what do y'all do on your free time if you have free time and what's your favorite part about it I think it's most known for the like historical figures who've been from Rochester. So like Frederick Douglass and Susan B. Anthony are the biggest ones. So um, it's kind of a hub for social change and it's pretty progressive as a city. Um, it is kind of small, but uh, there are 
uh, there's a nice downtown. Like, honestly, the University of Rochester is kind of in its own little bubble. So um, it's easy to get places, but not a lot of people actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff to do, though. Um, I think for me, it was about hackathons, actually, because I went to RIT to the, like, Wick Hacks. Um, shout out to RIT Wick Hacks, because <laughs> uh, they got me into hackathons. And yeah, and, and I think computer science wasn't on my list, really. I mean, I was more towards, like, the humanities or just, like, languages and maybe, like, international relations route. The fact that we are able to explore different, I guess, disciplines within our school is really nice. Uh, what is, like, a classic uh, university story that y'all might have had as a group together? Um, whether it be, like, struggling through, like, learning what Dandy Hack's about, going through it, maybe, or even something unrelated. When there's like a, a schedule, something scheduled, and we have to constantly being like following up again and again. I think that's also very tiring. I think it's also uh, just in general when you have something that you want to like try to get help from someone, like sponsorship, mm-hmm. either financially or um, just logistically. Mm-hmm. It's always the case that I have observed that people are usually more like you're on the lower end and then they're on the higher end. So they, so you kind of have to like, I guess, like, you kind of have to, like, just... I don't want to say beg them, but you kind of just have mm-hmm. to be more persistent on your own end. And yeah. and I think that's, like, something that I did not expect. I, I thought it was more like a mutual respect kind of relationship. And obviously, like, we, we have met a lot of those people, but just always sometimes the bad ones really do stick out for some reason. Yeah, so I'm assuming there's a good end and there's a bad end to this, right? Like, especially yeah, student, student organizations, which I always thought was a paradox because I, I haven't... I still have not to this date met organizations especially in, in the adult world right as passionate and as well organized as student organizations um so it's fascinating to see that because i feel post-college a lot of people don't do these massive organizations anymore you know people's got lives or uh, they're busy doing their day job right you see you seem to have a lot of struggles around approaching these organizations uh what are some te- what are some techniques you guys use uh that like you know breaks the ice a little bit well tony is really good at writing emails i would have to give give him that and uh so so usually what tony tells us is like when we follow up we shouldn't just say oh just following up on this usually add some more information to show that you're proactively trying to get this moving Mm -hmm. so like for instance if you know you're asking for a quote uh and let's say for example you're just trying to see if they they have like a order number or just a just like the the quote ready yet um, mm-hmm. instead of just saying just following up to see whether the quote is ready maybe you just say something like oh i've realized that you know there's some changes to be made or just like add on information like hey i think this color is really nice and we wanted to mm-hmm. see if this is also available uh, just checking in on the progress so like just something to show that you're you know actually trying to move this forward uh because just following up is kind of vague mm-hmm. so that's something that we apply to our emails Usually if it's phone calls, uh, sometimes if we can get people on the call, sometimes that's also very helpful just to, you know, interact with them directly and just mm-hmm. trying to see the situation and making it easier for them because yeah. sometimes we might think it's easy on our end, but we don't recognize like it's not as easy for the sponsor's end. Yeah. So trying to make it as easy as possible will just help. Not yeah. both parties. Yeah, so, so essentially yeah, a- yeah. answering a lot of those questions early on, um, giving, essentially giving them a yes or no answer, right? Getting getting straight to the point, cutting through a lot of the fluff 
So I do respect a lot about you. And those skills will take you very far after your college career. So I'm really glad you all are employing that. Uh, Tony, you were mentioning something? Yeah. So I just wanted to say, like, to latch onto what Carolina was saying, it's very much like a purpose-driven. Fundamentally, there is sort of a divide between, you know, student organization and a corporate one. And I very much think that, you know, it's in your best interest to always personalize and to state your value props right off the bat. Because um, I personally hold the opinion that you want to lead with the wow factor because it's very much the case that, you know, there I think there is a connotation of student organizations being disorganized and, you know, like Ergo not being able to speak, you know, like speak in a very professional manner, especially as it pertains, especially as we are a um, CS uh, driven organization and CS kids aren't especially known for being especially charismatic. We're capable of speaking your lingo I think is a much more effective way of getting your point across and leaving a mark. Yeah, I think the overall journeys have been pretty fascinating. So I'd love to know and how y'all as a team map out your experience from like from the conception of the hackathon to planning it to the logistics to the day of. It could if you could walk me through that journey a little bit, that would be amazing. Especially for this year, because we were virtual, it's something we've never done before. Mm-hmm. Um so from the very beginning, we knew we had to like map out exactly what needed to be done. So uh, I think one of our first meetings was all about how to transition and like what is different. So of course, finding a virtual platform was another change, like deciding whether or not we'd be able to do swag, deciding that, oh, because it's virtual, we can more easily access like mentorship. So that was something we did add and not take away, unlike like meals and foods that we couldn't provide in virtual. Um, in, in kind of a trade-off with meals, uh, we actually decided to look into snack boxes um, per Anna's suggestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the beginning phase was all about mapping out, writing it all down, and then mm-hmm. like um, delegating, okay, this person is going to be responsible for this specific part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, everyone's just does their own thing and um, as co-heads, Anna and I just like watched over the delegated team members. Also shout out to logistics team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Delegation. It was like really key for us. Um, yeah. Kind of like dividing the work. So nobody had too much to do. And then um, Ethan and I would like handle our team members, make sure they were staying up to date on their tasks. And um, if anything like random came our way, like, any questions that like weren't related to any of the stuff our teammates were doing, mm-hmm. uh, we would handle those. I mostly over the summer was when we like uh, collected like ideas, uh, just tried to put together how it would work best and yeah. start putting, for example, like mentors. We did some research about like um, checked out some LinkedIn profiles um, and then started reaching out like the end of the summer um, to start asking about that. And that's pretty much like how the timeline went for um, all the other things. So, um, like end of the summer was really a big time for us for contacting people and hearing back and then just waiting for all those emails to Mm -hmm. get figured out. Yeah. So you started from, I'm assuming May, uh, May and then Dandy Hacks launched around October from my memory. Yeah. Right. So that's about what, uh, six, six month process. So if you can map out those six months for a little bit for me, that'd be amazing. Oh, um, you want to see our timetable? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah great. <laughs> wow, that's confidential. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Proprietary, Proprietary information. information. <laughs> <laughs> we share the same brain cell, Ethan. No, actually, um, no, it's not really proprietary. We love sharing it so that everyone else can use, use it. 
when I came onto eBoard, like we were still iterating through a lot of designs and sort of um, sort of ways that directions we wanted to take uh, Dandy Hex down. Like for instance, like I, I think like right up until like two months before um, the hackathon, we honestly were thinking we were going to do like a collection of Zoom. I, I don't remember all the platforms we were going to use. It was Zoom, Slack, and Discord. Yeah, and sort of pretty late into it, um, we all sort of decided instead to sort of transition into a centralized sort of platform, a uh, virtual events platform instead. Uh, and I, I think, uh, like, I, I'd like to think that, like, as head of hacker experience, I kind of, like, I pushed and advocated pretty extensively for that virtual platform. Uh, and I'd like to think that it paid off because qualitatively, at least from the data that we've received so far, it seems like people kind of enjoyed it. So can, if one of you guys could explain the six months to me, that would be very insightful. I nominate Carolina because she <laughs> is director of Dandy Hex. Mm-hmm. But you're a logistics co-hat though. But okay, thank you. I appreciate the love. <laughs> um, I was just writing down as we were talking, like the, I guess like just dividing them up like the six months and seeing how it works. Uh, I guess like, uh, just some highlights this may I guess like we start ideating just ideas uh, events how we want it and then also it was just like a decision oh do we want to make it uh, on campus kind of physical event or an online a virtual event um, but just you know that that was like a big conversation especially with our school because uh, actually we have to book the venue and it uh, usually Danny has clashes with some of the other of our staple events on campus so we kind of have to go around that. So we decided to host it online. Uh, and then I think around June, we start thinking like which sponsors you want to reach out to. Um, also forming relationships with, um, you know, past organizers or just connections that we have ourselves. And then just seeing, oh, if they could maybe give us a referral and see, oh, can we get in touch with um, some sponsors like that? And even if they can't do sponsors monetarily, I think sometimes we would appreciate a lot um logistically with uh, mentors as well and then i think when we go to july we have to kind of uh kind of settle down with the logistics um just like how the event is going to run and then just like even just thinking about workshops um usually it can be on campus and richard you've been to dandy hacks uh for the you know for the um to host a few workshops and uh see we even do like this process is very iterative is what i've been trying to say like we certainly didn't reach out to you during like July, but we reached out to most of our like other uh, workshop leaders or just um, mm. uh, those speakers during that time. But then also throughout, it, it gets like sprinkled throughout. So just to keep in mind that this is not like a just we finish in July this yeah. process and then we never go back to it. We constantly go back to it to revise, especially if people back out, uh, especially last minute as well. We have mm. had had that this <laughs> this year, yeah. um, which is okay. Things happen, right? And especially in this environment. Um, then we have to like kind of try to find back backup plans or just even just cancel and apologize to our uh, attendees. Um, yeah. And then during like, I would say during August uh, and September, uh, talking to our school because we need to get like event registration ready. And then with that, we formalize the, uh, the schedule even more. Um, and then just to, I guess like for during that time as well, we kind of put everything else on the... Uh, website and mm-hmm. also our social media campaigns is also throughout yeah. um, and if you've noticed uh, our logo actually our, our entire branding has actually changed uh from last dandy hacks to this dandy hacks like some more cutesy 
uh, vibe. And then it's like, it's a whole new branding because I think uh, that was something that we discussed a lot, maybe like during May, I would want to say, um, that we want to change the branding and we had to work throughout. Maybe we finalize it sometime July, right? Yeah, it was sometime July. Mm-hmm. And then we had to say if we wanted to make the switch because it did take a long time, this like branding process. Yeah. But we thought it was worth it because it would, uh, you know, have a more beginner friendly kind of tone to it. Mm-hmm. Like the other one was a little bit too sophisticated and just didn't represent as well. So, yeah, that is just a very, very bare bones um, yeah, outline. That, that was great. I think the outline really fleshed out the thought process and the actual machine that goes into de- designing a massive event like this. Right. And I, th- I think a lot of this gets overlapped with the idea that y'all are still students um, while doing all this. So tell us a little about the stories and potential challenges that uh, being a student was a pro and also a massive con because it's pretty much another occupation, right? It's the biggest side gig in the world at this point. Uh, that you've experienced while doing Dandy Hex? Yeah, so for like most of the week right before Dandy Hex, um, Carolina would set up these Zoom calls for all us to be like work on our stuff together, like respond to emails, make sure everything was going well. And um, I mean, I don't know about everyone else, but um, I like didn't do a lot of homework that week. Um, so, but it was really great for Dandy Hacks. Like all the things I got done for Dandy Hacks was amazing. Like that, that, that was my priority that week, but, um, I got, kind of got behind on my projects and stuff. Um, so. Yeah. I literally had an exam like three days before the event. So that wasn't fun. Um, (laughs) I did all right, but Mm -hmm. did not get as much studying as I probably should have. Yeah. Um, well, is it is it like that throughout the entire process, like this full six months, or is it just like crunch time the closer and closer you get towards it? It definitely is crunch time, like right before it. Um, I will say like it probably builds like hours per week as we get closer, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate because I wish we could do most of the work over the summer when I yeah. don't have classes. Yeah. Um, but that's just not how it works. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Is there a way you would measure the either stress or joy of that time, like, like kittens per hour. I don't know. Like, what would your measurement be of your experience doing it? It really depends on when during the six months, if it was during the summer, I was like, yeah, this is perfectly fine. Like a good nine out of 10. It's mm-hmm. still fine. Um, like as it gets closer, that the number of kittens dies. Very oh my goodness. <laughs> so not so many kittens per hour is kind of what happens by the end of it. But after though, right. it becomes an yeah. 11. Do, yes. do, yeah. do friends and family see the impact of what you're doing at Dandy Hex? Like, especially during COVID, right? You're, you're around them all the time. Do they see the difference or is it like, oh, they're exactly the same? My dad just wrote it off as, uh, oh, Tony has to do his student club again. Ah. Uh, Literally, like, um, for the good month of October, whenever uh, a friend was like, hey, let's go hang out. I'm like, I'm busy. Talk to you later. (laughs) So for all of October, you're like, don't talk to me. I'm busy. Basically. Basically. So this experience must have been so different than last year, right? Because it was done physically. Oh, yeah. What what do you think is the biggest difference? It could be a pro, it could be a con, maybe a little bit of both. I guess one good thing was that I didn't have to like 
be there from like 6 a.m. to like 12 a.m. Like the entire or from event. 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah, because like we had like organizers who were uh, across the globe. So they took the shifts that were more convenient for them and that we can actually get some sleep over in the East Coast. Oh, wow. Yeah. How, how big is the team? 28 people, including yeah, all, of, all the organizers. Oh, wow. That, that's a lot bigger than I originally thought it'd be. I thought it was like 10 people. And then I'm assuming the other people were just staff for that day. Is that how it works? Uh, no, no, it's like team. Uh, we have team heads. Uh, okay. Team heads, I think we have eight. And then 20 other are just members, um, oh, okay. which we also appreciate. They're also organizers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How, how is it like managing 28 individual people? Like that seems like that's it. That's a challenge by itself. Yeah, which is why we didn't get much of the social aspect down this mm-hmm. year because when we were in person, it naturally just, it just flows naturally to if you're in the same time zone, like all of our class schedules would, mm-hmm. we would actually just have at least Saturday or Sunday if we know that you know, Monday through Friday doesn't work. And mm-hmm. everyone would just gather in this room and then we just talk. And then I guess the communication is much easier and mm-hmm. just socialization just happens very naturally and we get to know each other pretty well. Uh, and then we have <laughs> our, our, our our after party, which is like wings and, you know, good food. <laughs> um, we didn't have this this year. Um, and so and that's a regret. Uh, but mm-hmm. hopefully... Uh, we can organize something virtually at least. Yeah. Um, just so, like to organize that. So there's there is a, there's a little bit of sadness in the fact that there are no yeah. wing parties at the end of this, and there's no high fives or hugs because that's all yeah. out loud now at this point. So it seems like Dandy Hex has like evolved over the years and has changed for the better, right? Like you're adapting, right? Adapting to massive changes like this is not easy, right? And I've seen student organizations fall apart, like just like no. <laughs> no passing of the torch, no events for the year. Let's just stop. Uh, how did y'all take on this challenge? Because clearly it was successful. Uh, that made you survive compared to the other organizations. Oh, like on campus wise. Yes, I mm-hmm. think because our advisors are really happy and we were happy too that we were able to transfer it to an, a virtual format because there was a lot of just attendance issues with programming, especially in-person programming. Like this is what I've heard like from friends who are on mm-hmm. campus. And so having this event be transferred fully online just really helped uh, boost our credibility with our, uh, not only with our school, but also uh, school admins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was really nice. And also allowing people to really attend it because sometimes the transportation might be an issue. Some people are not from the Rochester mm-hmm. area or nearby area. Yeah. So they would not participate. So this year we've had a lot of international um, attendance. Although I, I saw yeah. that. I was like, where are you from? Like, oh, I don't go here. I'm like, okay, I'm in Scotland or Ireland. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing here? I'm like, I just I just found this online. I'm like, great, that's cool. Welcome. <laughs> and I, I feel like one out of six were actually University of Rochester students. Do you plan on doing like potentially hybrid in the future? knowing that it did open the doors to a lot of things or was it if if you could go full physical you're like okay no more virtual we're going full physical what's the current approach we like haven't fully fleshed this out yet but i certainly feel like it'd be good to have a hybrid type of thing 
um, because then we can like both draw our on-campus people who like didn't really show up so much to the virtual, but we can also draw the international um, students that uh, were able to attend virtually. Mm -hmm. um, and it also adds like we can we we're not restricted to people in Rochester um, as far as our like judges, mentors, companies. So yeah, I think hybrid would be amazing for us. Yeah, that's I I think the ones that I think the organizations that got to go full virtual this year and step kept with it has learned that lesson. I know a lot that just said, let's skip it. Let's not do it. I, I don't think they might have seen the benefits. So like they probably said it's not worth it. And let's just cancel it. So it's fascinating to see that approach. Um, willing to take that heads on. And I remember y'all told me a story about just getting access to a building was so difficult. If you could explain the process of getting a building access to let a bunch of college kids in for like two days can't be easy. If you could explain a little bit of that process, I'd love to hear it. So we can, uh, Anna and I can talk more about this. So on at the University of Rochester, in order to have book a room, you first have to uh, create like the events so that the campus has to approve it or not. And so that process, you have to fill out a long form. Uh, <laughs> and then from there, you have to go to talk to the uh, WCSA, which is like Wilson Commons Student Activities people, and be like, hey, we need this ballroom for X amount of time on this date. And they'll be like, oh, sorry, that place is booked. Oh, okay, we'll come back when we look at a better schedule. Mm -hmm. And so that part is very interesting. And food is the worst part. Anna, you want to talk about that? Sure. Uh, yeah, the whole process is pretty tedious. Um, yeah, the as most universities probably are, they're pretty restrictive about what food is like allowed to be served <laughs> at events. Yeah. And because we're usually uh, like an in-person hackathon, we mm -hmm. provide, what, six meals? Five? Something like that. Per person. Um, yeah. Um, and so like we would get restaurants to cater um, sometimes we would get good deals with them if they want to support us, mm -hmm. um, which was great. And but the problem with that is like we for every restaurant that's not on the list of like approved places by the university already, mm -hmm. which is only like six restaurants, and one of them <laughs> is pizza. Like um, so for all of those, we have to like write a proposal for like why we should be able to serve this and prove that like they're a safe place to eat from. Mm -hmm. um, and we also have to agree to like a whole bunch of safety things. Like we can't keep it out for more than what, two hours or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just a whole, a whole process that, and the guy who um, there's like one person in the office who has to approve it. And uh, he's a, uh, been interesting to work with but we we make it work that's awesome i think that's that shows a lot about the student organization organization spirit to overcome challenges i i think this is advice i give a lot of like people like if you want to do anything in your college career join and run a successful student organization you'll learn how to overcome every obstacle because this the world stacked against you a little bit um, so it's fascinating to hear those stories. Those are consistently throughout all over the place. They're all like massive walls, even though they celebrate you all. So it's, it's interesting to see that. Um, so location's difficult. Food's difficult. How do you pay for all this? Sponsorships. Thank you to all of our sponsors for your genuine support and love. So how, how does sponsorship work? Like what's the math? What's the science? What's the persuasion oh. that has to happen? What are you, you know, trading? I, 
Yeah, I think it depends on the sponsors. Usually, they, I think the biggest part is probably the students, like getting to interact with students, so recruiting.、Um, and just like, for example,、uh, some sponsors are more into just getting their technology tested. Like, for example, if they have any new technology or APIs that they want to test out,、um, that's a good like, beta user tester、mm-hmm. kind of group. And they could use the students, not use the students, but they could. You know, offer that to students and then test that out. And then the students in return can also get like a premium access of it and just to work on a project.、Um, most of the times, they actually get access throughout like maybe like three months or some trial period.、Mm-hmm. So even after the hackathon, they could still keep working on it.、Uh, and then the recruiting part is mostly,、uh, say, for example, if they have、um, students coming into their booth、um, and then just、mm-hmm. schedule interviews.、Um, in the past, we've had like interview rooms. But when it went virtual, it was more convenient for them to just schedule out their own times. Yeah.、Um, so it depends on what each sponsor wants. And some others are just like、uh, school sponsors who want to support、uh, student participation, specifically University of Rochester students. So、mm. that's how it usually goes. It depends on their needs. And we also try to tailor the packages specifically to what they want. Yeah.、Um, yeah. So, like, say that, say that I sponsor, right?、Um, <laughs> I, 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 I did sponsor in a weird way.、Uh, say that I did sponsor.、Uh, what is a usual ask? Like, to two, two to three main things you ask for?、Mm. Uh, when, you, when you mean like ask, as in what we ask of you? Yeah, what do you ask for me? Like, do you ask for an X amount of money? Is、mm. there a mentorship you usually ask for? Like, what are the like, three main things I should know about? Yeah, I think financial、uh, comes first usually.、Um, and then we would later ask for, I think mentorship is also really important just to、mm-hmm. sustain our、uh, participants and just to help them grow and learn.、Mm-hmm. After that, what's the third thing? Maybe a third thing would perhaps be marketing, like、uh, introducing、yeah. your network,、um, just kind of that situation. But if it's like usually we have a pretty clear idea who will, we will reach out to for financial sponsorship and who we'll reach out for just logistical support. So it's, I would want to, so, so number one, it's either money or just their time because、mm-hmm. time is also money. But so、yeah. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. I want to add that like it is, we do try to have it more of a conversation than like, oh, you want to sponsor? These are the things we, you、mm-hmm. need to do. Okay. So,、um, we kind of tailor it so like they can get what they want from us and we can get what they want from them、um, mm-hmm. and kind of like figure out how that is going to work best for both parties. That's awesome. So, I, I think that is like an re- interesting organic way of growing with partnerships.、Um, and yeah, it seems like y'all are growing effectively and preparing to hand off that torch. But before we go on to the potential sad stories of handing off that torch, what's a classic.、Uh, Winter University of Rochester story that y'all have been a part of. Like, I know Rochester is freezing and it snows a ton. So, I'm curious on what y'all do. What's a, what's a timely tradition? Maybe it's getting wings or building a snowman in front of all your doors. I don't know. What, what, what's, what's the prank? What's the story behind it all? Last year, but I know that a lot of my friends and I would just gather and like、uh, gather around like the communal kitchen because we have a lot of those. And then we'd make like a bunch of like hot drinks and hot meals, and it was really nice.、Mm. Um, it would just be communal, and we'd do it practically every other night. And like when it, when it first on winter break, it was every night because we all wanted to see each other a lot before we left. 
Wow. Is this something that's done by everybody or is this just specifically your story? I think I trust that probably a good a good number of University of Rochester kids have done it, but like uh, within my pressure group, that's what we did a lot. Mm-hmm. One thing about being a student and also being part of like organizations is that sometimes all your stories are associated with either studying or like work stuff or mm-hmm. just student organization things. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, there's usually like small things. Um, I know probably one of my favorite things to do is like, I'm not, I'm a very simple person. I, my favorite stories always involve just me and my friends around in a round table, all Mm -hmm. suffering, studying and quiet suffering. Um, (laughs) It's just like one of those small things where you're like, uh, I empathize with everyone here. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is our life right now. And don't need to worry about anything else. Just this yeah there's there's some form of solace together that like that makes the work a little bit more bearable yeah maybe that's the rochester tradition is uh sitting in pain with your friends in the <laughs> library oh my gosh q and i or gleason or just like library battles too right like which library are you we had like those quizzes at one point just like which library you are based on like some characteristics. And that was pretty fun. Although what? I don't, I shouldn't say it's the tradition though. What, what's, the, what, what's the difference between the libraries? Oh, there are so many libraries. Um, uh, there's iZone, which is new. It's like an innovation space, they call it. It's open 24 hours usually. Um, and then Gleason is the uh, bookless library, also open 24 hours. Basically just like tables, couches, there's a few like conference rooms. Um, Rush Rees is like the classic campus library. Um, there's a bunch of different rooms in there. You can go like up in the stacks, they call it, where all the books are. Mm-hmm. Um, and Q&I is the front of Rush Rees where it's like, they call it a loud space. You can study with your friends. Um, and then there's the Carlson Engineering Library. Oh, uh, y'all have a lot of libraries. Um, is is there a specific library Dandy Hacks is known to occupy, or is it just spread out? It's Gleason. <laughs> oh, why Gleason? Um, it's there's one room that like any student can reserve with only 24 hour notice. Mm-hmm. So um, usually, if we like want to have a meeting, I guess this was last year when things were normal. Um, somebody would just book the room and say, "Hey, like Gleason, this time tomorrow meeting." Um, so that was like our space. Uh, so you're like dibs and then take over the space. Yes. I like that. I like that. Show just shows dominance in the library, just throwing school bags on tables like these are mine. Uh, I respect that. I respect that very much. I'd love to hear because I know all of you are either graduating soon or taking on the torch a little bit. What What are some of your favorite Dandy Hacks memories? I, I think, um, no, I was just gesturing for them to say that their favorite memories to meet me, but I guess that's not happening. So I'm just going to say, I think my favorite memory is to be able to work with um, the team. I think it's a lot of just like realization of what leadership actually means and delegation of tasks. Because I think for me, at least, I think I'm more used to uh, working alone, just working on like independent tasks. So Leading people is very different from just telling people what to do. And then also realizing that, you know, different people want to do different stuff. 
So maybe like allowing them to do what they like the most would mm -hmm. increase their efficiency uh, and also just like task distribution like that. So I've been really blessed with this team. Really, they, they're really like, I don't need to push them to do something. I think they're all very, yeah, driven. That's very I would awesome. say my favorite Danny Hacks memories is definitely like, this is more pertaining to like last year when we actually had in-person hackathon. But my favorite part is always when we have leftover food. And for like 36 hours straight, I would always come back to my suite with like a full tray of food. And then my suite mates are like, where are you getting all this food from? Like, we, we don't have space for this. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. Like, <laughs> we just have food, okay? <laughs> we need to get you to in person. To? Yeah. <laughs> we got like Indian food, um, barbecue, um, Chinese food. Chinese oh, food. I'm, I'm, I'm down just to eat. I'm going to go down. I'm going to go down. To <laughs> like, I'm here for the buffet. <laughs> I've been told there is a buffet for me. <laughs> I'm not here for programming. <laughs> That's awesome. Anna and Tony, do you have anything you'd like to share? Yeah. One of my favorite dandy hacks memories is also uh, like an in-person thing but um just because my sleep schedule is not great um i usually end up working the like late night so uh midnight to four or something like that um and it's pretty cool to like see the hackers still up like being passionate about their projects like trying to get it done um yeah i just like i mean sometimes the the ballroom is pretty empty where we hold it but um mm. it's it's cool to see everybody there just like working and um, trying to get it done, being passionate about what they're working on. That's yeah. really cool. It's, it's honestly, it's a magical moment. Like, yes. Even after I graduated, I still love that energy. I may not be the most active at like four o'clock in the morning be like, ah, I wish there was a bed here. And then the bed is your, you're essentially your, your uh, backpack and then your jacket over you. And that's where you're <laughs> staying for the night. Um, and you just pick a comfortable chair. Uh, so I do love that energy. It's, it's weird. It's like this weird two, three o'clock in the morning energy you get. And you right. look outside, it's pitch black, but everyone's still working. Uh, it's exci It's excitement. I think it's hard to capture that. It's a lightning in the bottle moment. So that's awesome. Tony, you're the rounder for us. Right. Um, honestly, I think there is something to be said about in-person events. Owing to the fact that like, uh, well, I mean, Carolina's was a little bit like, you know, this year, but Ethan and Anna spoke about like last year's hackathon or like the preceding years. And I got to say the same thing, too, because like one thing I really enjoyed was like sort of uh, pilfering the sort of the like uh, complimentary snacks that were kind of laid out on the table. And then it was just kind of like our team's mission to like simultaneously uh, win a prize, but also to take as many like uh, bougie chocolates they laid out on the table for us. The Tony story is, I went to steal the chocolates. Hey, but in our in our defense, we got third place, so I think the chocolate helped. <laughs> I'm I'm sure it was rocket fuel at four o'clock in the morning when you were at your last legs. Well, so we literally get caffeine them, so yeah, it was my fun. my goodness. I I remember like like our school would do like monster drops or like Red Bull crate drops, and the crate would just land in the middle of campus with a parachute. It's all they didn't they didn't actually parachute it, but it looks like a parachute and Red Bulls just scatter all across the ground. They did this on purpose. And people are just there with trash bags, just throwing Red Bulls into it. I'm like, this can't be healthy, <laughs> but it's amazing marketing. Um, so it was I think I do see similarities of colleges. Um just a few questions before we reach the end. Uh was 
now I do know some of you all are graduating soon. Um, what are some things that y'all are doing that allows you to pass it on to the next generation? And what are some of the feelings that you have about passing it on to the next generation? I feel great. I'm, I'm graduating um, in May and uh, I really like the team we have now. Uh, they're going to be really successful. Uh, and something uh, that we started doing this year because we recognized in the past that the, the torch was not very well handled um, was uh, we're, we're creating like guides so that um, like people the future knows like what we did this year, how it went successfully and like things we could improve for next year. And also mm -hmm. keeping um, like detailed timelines of like when things should happen. Um, so uh, like for reference in the future, they can be like, oh, this is what they did in 2020 and this is how it worked. And mm -hmm. this is what they recommend for us to do. That's awesome. That's kind of like a cheat code, crypt sheet of like how to get things started, right? That, I think that is yeah. a tough one. Yep, I think that's, yeah, that's it. Anna said it all. I think I'm very excited to see what our future organizers will do. Mm -hmm. It really is really, it's, they're really talented as well. And I think every, I guess every class year just impresses me a lot more. Now that I'm a senior, if you look mm -hmm. back at class years. Do you have, do you feel the same, Anna? Like yeah, I do. I see like, I see like sophomores and freshmen with like like visions for dandy hacks that I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I wish I thought of that. So like, I yeah, I'll, I'm gonna come back in three years and see what's going on at dandy hacks. Yeah, we're gonna come back as old ladies. <laughs> I'm as, as, as 24 year olds you're like oh yeah you little whippersnappers <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they'll appreciate it and I, I think uh, it's I think passing down the torch is one of the best signs in health of an organization so that is great news to hear to see that it's going to move on past who and what you are now and it seems like all of y'all have a plan I think that's that's perfect before I go on to the last few questions, the last few questions are my favorite. Is there a form of media, a movie, a book that really represents your group right now? I'm not sure if this represents our team, but Carolina talks a lot about BTS. <laughs> so y'all are all individual members of BTS taking on the world by storm. And I am not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, I see my defense is that I think they have a lot of great qualities that we can learn from, like mm. kind of like role models. And yeah, so I share them. Like I share these qualities with my teammates. Um, no, we're not sassings. No, 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 no. We don't condone that. That's a that's extreme. What I think what what I'm trying to say, it's more like their qualities as in, you know, their dedication to their own craft and just pushing out music that has meaningful lyrics. And just things like that just very inspire me a lot. Mm -hmm. So once in a while, I would put it out there because I don't want to be talking about them all the time mm -hmm. um, because that would annoy my teammates a lot. Uh, yeah. But I think once in a while, it makes uh, all of us laugh. See, once Anna mentioned that, I think everyone just smiled a little bit, even though Ethan now is doing like a sad face. But I know secretly he's happy to mm -hmm. talk about it as well. Yeah, That's awesome. So, so BTS, the BTS group represents Dandy Hacks and Dandy Hacks represents BTS group. Uh, is there a guidebook or a book that you could say every Dandy Hacks team member should read and why? The MLH Best Practices Guide. 
<laughs> Tony answered it literally. <laughs> uh, yeah, MLH has a really uh, comprehensive hackathon guide mm-hmm. that we used. You know, when we talked about earlier on, we talked about the schedule, like how our schedule was laid out. I think mm-hmm. that was a really good guide to just on a larger and even on a smaller picture of how what details you want to accomplish by a certain due date. So I think that's literally it. Um, and then also enjoy the time with your team and you know socialize mm-hmm. with your team and yeah. That is awesome. And now we are reaching the end where I get to ask my favorite questions. Um, and this is a little different because it's a group setting. So instead of three from each person. It's. I'll take one lesson that you'd like for our listeners to have learned from. I, I would say, um, don't. College is a time for you to grow and meet new people. Uh, so don't focus too much on like the actual academics of it. Like, do get a degree, probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, also. Uh, like do things you're passionate about. Like I've, I've sacrificed some of my academics for Dandy Hacks and I have no regrets about it. Mm. Um, it, it's a very rewarding experience and I think everyone should, should do it. Like maybe not be like fully part of leadership, but at least like commit some of your time to a student organization. Um, I guess I could go next. Uh, my message is kind of, um, on the flip side of Anna, where if you are already part of Pretty Involved, Knowing when to step back and balance is very important because like personally, I've had experiences where I'm like, okay, this is a little bit too much. And I like, that's part of reason why I am a strong advocate of like uh, delegation, uh, which was, which Anna and I like not perfected, but like highly utilized and highly endorsed um, because sometimes you, you're only one person. You have, you have everything else in your life. You kind of have to give someone else the responsibility of helping you out else you're, it's just going to be too much and nothing productive is going to happen mm-hmm. so that's like my personal like uh, model right now is knowing how to when it is too much for you and mm-hmm. uh, knowing how to make it less of an issue i think a key component is actually being knowing when to be transparent and vulnerable i think especially around your teammates uh, it's a crucial skill to have because I understand, like, at least for me, um, I hadn't really been in sort of a student organization with that level of a time crunch. And like, it was really awkward because I remember like in the summer I was like, I was doing tasks like nonstop, like nonstop. And then I was like happy as like I hit all my deliverables. I'd always like bring up new suggestions. But then the time that like school came in, I suddenly didn't know how to like balance my time. So like, it, as you touched upon earlier, like it is actually a really good idea to ingratiate yourself with a student organization and like try to execute it to the best you can because it really gives you a sense of time management. But not only that, like it definitely gave me the opportunity to like uh, practice communication, especially when I couldn't deliver on things. Because at first, like, because I will like freely admit to the fact that like I basically like went radio silent because at some point I was like, uh, darn, I feel really bad about like, um, I feel I'm like really embarrassed about the fact that I didn't do this. Like I can't, like, I can't talk about it, but like realistically they are your teammates. We're all students. Everyone understands. So like, it's good to be transparent such that at the very least, everyone can learn how to like work around and sort of help and assist you in, w- in ways that otherwise like um, you, like they otherwise might not, not know. And truthfully, I think like this is true and I'm learning it 
more and more every sort of um, semester is the fact that like, honestly, people go through struggles. Everyone goes through struggles. And I know that sounds like a very cheap aphorism, but it's true. And like, honestly, some of the, like, the, the strongest people I know, like they also go through struggles. And I think it's just a matter of being able to voice it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Yeah, like I agree with you. Everyone's going through struggles. It sometimes seems cool to be stoic and quiet, uh, but it does not tend to have the best results. So I'm really glad you did share that with us and the audience, of course. So Carolina, take us home. Yeah, so I think, you know, we did put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this project and just Dandy Hacks in general, all of us did. Uh, And I think one of the biggest points I, I would like to mention that I learned a lot that I would hope the viewers or the listeners take away is that know when to pivot. Um, change is not always bad. And even when you feel like you you know you your, your knees are dropped and you just don't have like an idea of what's happening. I think as long as you know don't don't bury your knees, just like stand back up. I think that's a good uh, mindset to have and just know that there's always you know uh, a bright side um, to come and yeah I hope you know stay positive during times like this as well awesome but not COVID positive but not COVID positive that is our ending statement well thank you so much Danny Hacks for coming on to the Ranger Outpost it's been a true pleasure talking to you and learning all about the insights, I, I feel a lot of people don't get to one number join a student organization to this level, and number two learn lessons from them, and treat you all as professionals because I see you all as professional student organizations. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, Richard. Richard. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you for your time and thank you for being an excellent host. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of the Ranger Outpost. We'd love to hear from you. So send us some comments and feedback to at Ranger Outpost on Instagram as we set up our official website and email address.